1: Hi there! Welcome to History in Retrograde. This is the podcast where we use the ancient art of astrology to help us better understand the past. I'm your co-host, Chandler O'Quinn, and joining live via satellite is my mom!
2: Hi, Mom! Hi, Chandler! How are you?
1: I'm doing very well. Are you ready to begin another grand experiment?
2: I am ready. I'm so excited to be in our second season. Let's go!
1: Alright, let's give it a whirl!
2: (laughs) okay and i just want to say hello everybody we're so happy to be back and we're so happy that you're there listening and we want to make sure that we give you some wonderful history and astrology insights for your morning afternoon or evening
1: yes so uh, whenever and wherever you are listening to this uh we are sending to you uh positive vibes and uh hoping that uh, this little insight into history and astrology will uh, help to brighten up your day. Uh, so, uh, for those of you, if this is your uh, first episode of History and Retrograde, welcome. Uh, the way that we do things around here is that uh, in a moment, I will give the data necessary to create an astrological birth chart to my mother. Uh, that is the uh, birth date Time and location of a random historical figure. Uh, so, uh, Mom has no idea who we are going to be covering. You, the listening audience, know because it is in the title of today's episode, and I, of course, know because I've chosen him. But, Mom, do you have any idea who we're talking about today?
2: I never know what we're doing, and I'm always walking around in the dark.
1: And that's exactly what makes a great show. <laughs> Uh, So I will give her that data. She will create an astrological birth chart and then give us a blind reading to the best of her ability of uh, what this uh, person, uh, their personality traits, their uh, things that they may have done, their motivations in life. Uh, I will then ask a few discussion questions and then uh, reveal to her who our mystery history guest is and uh, talk to her a little bit about uh, uh, what that person did in their life. And then we'll come together at the end and see how accurate the chart was and predicting uh, who that person would be. Uh, So without any further ado, let us begin. Okay. This is a male. Mm -hmm. Born on the 17th
2: of mm-hmm. january nineteen
1: forty
2: nine okay, do we have a birth time we do yay
1: a six o three p m
2: okay all right, and country
1: the united states
2: all right and town
1: Jamaica New York
2: there we go, okay
1: uh, so once again, our mystery history guest was born January 17th, 1949, 6.03 p.m. in Jamaica, New York.
2: All right. Let's see what this looks like. Okay. All right. Well, I am going to start just with the Ascendant, Okay which is 11 degrees Leo, all right? And then we're just going to go down through the planets. We have Sun at 27 degrees Capricorn, Moon at 9 degrees Virgo, Mercury at 16 degrees Aquarius, Venus at 5 degrees Capricorn, Mars at 10 degrees Aquarius, Jupiter at 14 degrees Capricorn, Saturn at 5 degrees Virgo, Uranus at 27 degrees Gemini, Neptune at 15 degrees Libra, Pluto at 15 degrees Leo, North Node at 0 degrees Taurus, and Chiron at 5 degrees Sag. So these are the planets and they are falling in. This particular person has Pluto in the first house. All right, Pluto and Leo in the first house. Mm, Could be a powerful leader. Uh, Could be a very talented individual who is an entertainer because it's Pluto, and that can be powerful, but it can also be death and rebirth. It can also be psychic abilities. It can be uh, an affinity for children. But in this particular situation, because it's in the first house, I would assume that having Pluto in Leo, in the first house, would make this person a powerful leader or they have the potential to be a powerful leader this person has moon at 9 degrees virgo and saturn at 5 degrees virgo which means it's possible his mother was older an older mother maybe um it has to do with lessons from the mother and lessons from women because saturn is where the teacher, right? Saturn is uh, the father figure, the the teacher, right? And then moon, and it's in Virgo, which would have been very um, specific uh, with regard to um, uh, material things, because second house is ruled by Taurus, which is ruled by Venus, but in this situation, it's like material things, money, um how how you deal with money uh etc and this person would have been i would assume very detailed about finances and money and then this person has a uh, neptune in the third house which would have made them very creative uh could have been a writer could have been a communicator something with a great use of imagination or um, uh, illusion where communication is concerned, right? Then fourth house cusp is Scorpio. And this person has Chiron at five degrees Sag in their fourth house, which could give them some issues with home, country, community, some healing there. Uh, maybe coming from something that needed uh, a repair or unhappiness regarding home or country, etc., and then and then overcoming that and becoming more of a healer in that area. Okay, then fifth house is ruled by sage, but we have Venus in Capricorn. In that house at five degrees where it changes to capricorn because we're using placidus houses venus in the fifth house is a love of pleasure a love of children a love of entertaining entertainment uh, possibly talented as a performer or an entertainer but also maybe just really loving entertainment things that are ruled by leo that's venus right that's where your pleasure that's your pleasure center and then sixth house has jupiter sun and mars so clearly this person really enjoyed work all right they were very into their work they could have been a workaholic because having sun at 27 degrees capricorn and mars at 10 degrees aquarius and jupiter at 14 degrees Capricorn, we have Jupiter conjunct Sun in the fifth house in Capricorn. This person could have the makings of a brilliant executive, CEO, uh, someone who is very capable or could have been very capable of um, running a corporation, running pretty much anything, being in charge, and then having Mars in Aquarius there would give them a unique approach to their work, the way that they um, look at how they feel about actual work. You know, not so much career, but this is how you work. Six house is how you work. And then seventh house, having Mercury in the seventh house in Aquarius would have made this person very uh, uniquely capable of communicating with business partners, Romantic partners, any one-on-one situations that would have made them have a very unique uh, way of communicating, and then you have uh, Pisces on the eighth house cusp, um, Aries on the ninth house cusp with North Node at zero degrees Taurus in that house. So this person uh, might have been a traveler, uh, might have gained a lot of insight from traveling from research from um but having to do but having a very um um not not so much warlike but but like a warrior like a philosophical warrior kind of behavior um uh, um north node in the ninth house i mean this person could have been <sighs> I mean, they could have been a teacher because that, a, a professor uh, set an example for, um, and, and and very, you, you wouldn't really be able to stop this person once they headed down a path because it's uh, in Aries, not the same as Taurus, because if it was in Taurus, then you wouldn't be able to stop them because you just couldn't. Like the Taurus would just keep plodding along. This person is more like, um a knight in that area, like a warrior, like like someone who will really fight for a cause. And then we have Midhaven at one degree Taurus, which does give them that stamina, you know. All people who have Leo rising have Midhaven and Taurus, which makes them fairly hard headed and hard to stop once they're set into motion. And then uh we have the eleventh house cusp is uh by Gemini, and we have Uranus there, so at twenty seven degrees Gemini that would be uh um unexpected ways of communication um maybe even uh futuristic ways of communication um Definitely unusual, and 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 Uranus is kind of that lightning earthquake, you know, kind of energy. So sort of a, you could expect the unexpected with this one. Mm-hmm. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. Am, am I am I touching on anything? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Do you have questions? Because I've kind of gone around the chart. Yeah.
1: Um. So having gone all the way around, um what profession do you think this person would go into?
2: Well, I mean, this person could be really good at a lot of things, all right? But I would think with all this Sixth House and Capricorn, whatever they were, they were in charge. And uh, I mean... They could be anything from a brilliant entertainer to a uh, president of or leader of a country or you know I mean they have a lot going for them they have you know this hemisphere is very uh populated you know the the lower hemisphere of the chart, so I would assume that this person had was pretty tied to material things and kind of tied to earthly things as opposed to being you know. More uh, philosophical and more, you know, dreamy. But um, I mean, I would lean towards executive because of the sixth house and um, the midhaven and Taurus, but they could be very entertaining. You know, this Pluto could, this Pluto and Leo could make them very, a very well known entertainer, you know?
1: Mm hmm. How does this person relate to others and humanity?
2: Okay, well, in general, to humanity, I come to the 11th house, right? And we have this Uranus in Gemini, which is Gemini is ruled by Mercury, which is communication. So I would expect this person to relate to groups of people in a unique way, not your average bear, you know, maybe coming up with new ways of communicating with groups of people but also with mercury in aquarius that is the same you know cuz um aquarius is ruled by uranus so having mercury in aquarius and mars in aquarius makes this person a very unique person you know mm-hmm. they're doing stuff different than like maybe in innovative ways of communicating
1: And how would others view him?
2: Oh, I think other people would find this person very unique, very uh um, I would imagine i mean the good side of Capricorn, this person should have been uh trustworthy in business um but powerful this is a, this is you know this Pluto in Leo in the first house. People should have viewed this person as. i i My. I just think powerful leader. Hmm.
1: What was but, his childhood like?
2: Well, when we go to youth, we go to the third house, and there is, you know, it's it's uh, on the cusp of uh, Libra. They have neptune and libra in the third house so i mean their childhood could have been very fairy tale like or it could have been uh you know you go two directions with this because neptune can be uh, addictions you know like there could have been people who were uh alcoholics or drug addicts or you know we have two sides and neptune is the veil so it's um interesting maybe not everything is revealed maybe he doesn't know everything about his childhood meaning like there's secrets you know what i mean mm-hmm. there could also the dark side of pluto is also secrets you know hidden things like this person is not who they seem to be which is that pluto and leo in the first house they're able to hide things about themselves possibly
1: Uh, what kind of person would he look up to? What
2: kind of person would he look up to? Well... I guess I would go to Saturn for that. Um, maybe. Uh, this version has Saturn in Virgo. So, maybe... Honestly, Saturn conjunct moon is, uh, like, the mother is the teacher, or women are the teacher. You know what I mean? So,
1: So someone with uh, possibly more kinder, feminine qualities would be uh, someone that he would look up to over a football player or a general.
2: Well, I think this Saturn conjunct moon is more about uh, lessons from women and lessons from the mother and possibly, but also it's in Virgo. So Virgo is not necessarily the most emotional of the signs. Uh, Out of the three earth signs, Taurus is the one that's going to give you the most emotion and the most, uh, you know, Taurus is very sensual but virgos and capricorns don't tend to be you know emotionally charged they're more cerebrally charged they they you know like the virgo is going to categorize things and 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 give you the data you know and and heal you with science you know okay um how would I this... might be able to answer these questions better once I know what's going on.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, how would this person feel about conformity?
2: I don't think this person would be very into conformity. They have too much going on with uh, Aquarius. They have Sun conjunct Jupiter in Capricorn. That is very, that Capricorns do tend to conform. Um, they also have you know Venus in Capricorn. So that's a lot of conformity. Uh they're willing to do it uh for work, if that makes sense. But they're not naturally like they have Mars in Aquarius and Mercury in Aquarius and this, you know, Uranus in Gemini in the 11th house. They 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 would be more likely to be uh Less on that side of the sidewalk. Okay.
1: Is this a serious person?
2: I think this person can be considered very serious. I think this person could be formidable if they want to be, you know? Uh, so uh, maybe if they are a performer. If they are like a comedian, if this was a comedian, then this would be a comedian that would be doing something unique. It would be a very unique individual, you know. But on the other side of that, this person would be very business savvy and very powerful in understanding their own um, persona, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And that goes the same if this is a politician or if this is a general or if this is a, you know a ceo of a company or whatever this person understands who they are and they are un- and they understand the power i would assume they understand the power they have if they don't i would be very surprised
1: Uh, all right. Is there uh, anything else uh, that you have uh, can see about this chart uh, that you haven't talked about already?
2: I cannot honestly. I have no idea who this is, and I think once I do understand who it is, I'll, I'll have a. I'll be able to give you more information. I just hope I'm even hitting on anything at this point.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think that there are. Um this is definitely a very unique uh, individual I think unique and unusual are some of the uh, first words that would come to mind for someone describing this person okay. um, I think uh, that yeah that there is uh, that there's a lot of things that, that make a lot of sense here and some things that maybe uh, we'll need to uh, will be revealing to us as we uh, go through uh, who this person was Uh, So at this time, I think I'm going to go ahead and give us a a summary of our findings. Uh, So uh, the first thing that you said is that uh, this person uh, could be a leader, uh, could be a powerful entertainer, could have a life uh, revolving around children, um, but leading towards the the powerful leader uh, part. Um, That there are lessons to be learned from the mother and from women and that he possibly may have had an older mother. Uh, He would be very detailed about finances. He could be a creative writer, a creative communicator. There'd be a lot of imagination and illusion in his communication. Uh, He might have issues with the country or home, and uh, overcoming those issues, he would then be able uh, to heal uh, in that arena. Um, He has a a love of pleasure, uh, children, entertainment, loving children and entertainment. Uh, He could have enjoyed work, uh, might be considered a workaholic. Uh, He could be a brilliant executive type, uh, a unique approach to work, uniquely able to communicate with partners, uh, very much one-on-one. He would be uh, uniquely able at communicating, be that romantic or business or any kind of friendship, any kind of partnership. He could be a traveler, uh, described him as a philosophical warrior, possibly a teacher. Uh, he has a determination like that of a knight. Um, he uh, There are unexpected ways uh, of communication, uh, future thinking, unusual. And uh, communicating uh, might come unexpectedly, uh, might be very fast, um, uh, but very unusual in the way he communicates. Um, he is a person. Whatever he goes into, he is in charge. Uh, he could be a very powerful entertainer, or he could be a, a politician. Um, you really, uh, we're looking at an ex- an executive type. Um, he uh, could relate to groups of people in a unique way, innovative way of communicating. Others find him unique, trustworthy in business, and powerful. Uh, He might have an idyllic childhood, or uh, there might be something behind the veil, uh, secrets that were not revealed, something about addiction. Um, Also, this person might not be who they appear to be. They could be very good at concealing who they are. Um, For someone to look up to, uh, the the mother, uh, women, uh, people with more uh, feminine uh, abilities. Um, he is not about conformity. Uh, He is not naturally inclined to it. Uh, He can follow rules. Uh, He can fit in when needed to, um, but he is not naturally inclined uh, to be a conformist. Uh, He could be a very serious person, a very formidable. Um, If he were to be an entertainer, he'd be a very unique comedian. Um, This person understands who they are. Is there anything that I left out?
2: I think that's pretty much it. I am amazed. I have no idea who this is.
1: You are looking at the astrological birth chart of Andy Kaufman.
2: Wow! Ooh. Yes! Oh my goodness, that makes perfect sense. <gasps> yes wow oh yeah that i mean to the nth degree sir to the nth degree wow that's weird that i picked up on it being a comedian and being unique so unique well i'm very interested in what you have to say about mr andy kaufman
1: so, uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, Andy Kaufman, uh, was, uh, one of the most unique, uh, entertainers, uh, he would not even call himself a comedian, but that's really the only, uh, word that we have to describe what he was doing. Um, he was a performance artist, I think is, uh, probably more of what he would agree with. He called himself a song and dance man. Um, he was a, uh, definitely a provocateur, um, came to fame in the 1970s and died very early. Um, so he is really known for, uh, that uh, 70s, uh, age of, of comedy, um, and very much tied to it. Uh, he was instrumental in, uh, Saturday Night Live and, uh, Late Night with David Letterman and then, and, uh, sitcom Taxi and so many other things and a truly uniquely talented individual. Uh, so, uh, Andy Kaufman uh, was born January 17th, 1949, in Jamaica, New York. Uh, he was born to Stanley and Janice Kaufman. Uh, Stanley was a, a costume jewelry salesman, and uh, Janice uh, was a former model and uh Andy was their firstborn son uh they lived uh, on long island uh in a uh a neighborhood called great neck or a town called great neck new I- uh, long island um and uh he actually grew up in in, in quite a wealthy uh neighborhood uh, his friends uh, saw uh, his neighborhood as being the wealthiest in the uh community uh he was uh, well provided for and and uh, uh didn't suffer from any uh, lack of material goods. Um, but very early on, it was clear that the the, the Kaufman's had a very unique child. Um, when uh, Andy got a, a younger brother uh, at the age of two, um, Andy started the, to, uh, he would go into the living room and he would stare out the picture window. And he would do that for hours. Um, and this the, the the parents considered him to be a, a very sad little boy, and uh, they didn't think that little boys should be sad, so they started um, taking him to a psychiatrist. Um, so uh, he was in regular therapy sessions, uh, going from a very early age well into uh, his, his earliest friends. R- remember meeting him at eight or nine years old and him already go- seeing a psychiatrist two times a week. Um. Andy Kaufman was completely transfixed by television. Uh, he loved uh, children's programming on television. His favorite things to watch were Mighty Mouse. Uh, he also loved Howdy Doody, and he loved watching wrestling, uh, which all three of these would uh, come uh, to play in his adult life. Um, his friends would say that pretty much everything that Andy Kaufman did in his life, he figured out how he was going to do it when he was eight or nine years old. Um, he loved television and entertainment so much that he would go into his room and he would do shows. Um, the parents would come in and say, who are you doing these shows for? And he would say that there's a camera in the wall and I'm performing to the country, um, from my little TV studio in my room. And wow. he would, he would do talk shows. He would do, uh, uh, all sorts of, uh, entertainment. He would practice magic and he would do his shows from his room. And he loved doing these so much that at nine years old he made a business for himself um performing for children's birthday parties in the area and uh, he would have uh, uncle Andy's fun house and he would do songs and he would show cartoons and he would do magic tricks uh, uh for birthday parties um one of the other things that uh uh transfixed Andy Kaufman from a very early age was Elvis Presley um mm-hmm. he absolutely idolized Elvis and uh, at a time he's growing up he, when Elvis is coming he, uh, to fame and prominence but uh, he liked Elvis a lot later than most of his friends were. Most of his friends were into the Beatles and all the things of the 60s, and Andy was completely transfixed by Elvis. And he would, uh, doing his uh, shows in his bedroom, he would just do his impression of Elvis over and over and over again until he got it to be one of the best Elvis impersonations that there ever has been. That's um, true. In fact, Elvis Presley would say that... Andy Kaufman, does a better Elvis than I do. <laughs> um, he absolutely, he had pictures of Elvis, he had every record, uh, it, it was, uh, 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 he, he was truly uh, transfixed by um, Elvis. Um, now, all of this uh, uniqueness, but also uh, coming together with this sadness, um, made him uh, a little bit of a wild youth. Um, he Growing up, being a teenager in the 60s, experimented with uh, all of the drugs that were available, uh, wow. acid trips and uh, pot and uh, mushrooms and all sorts of things uh, that he could do uh, mm-hmm. to the point where all the rest of his friends would kind of uh, stop doing that and he would continue on. And they were worried about him saying, mm-hmm. what is Andy going to do with his life once we graduate? Um, he graduated high school in 1967. He was a solid D student. Um, he did not, uh, he got out by the skin of his teeth. He was not uh, very concerned with uh, academics. Um, <laughs> He would uh, eventually go on to uh, Graham Junior College in Boston uh, to get a a television broadcasting degree. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: uh, it is there that he started uh, performing uh, for audiences. So uh, he would have a a campus uh, television show, uh, Uncle Andy's uh, Fun House, and he would do some of it as like a child's entertainer. uh, And then some of it he would go completely lose himself in some character that he had created. Um, and this is where some of the characters that we uh, are very familiar with, or if you know who he is are, are familiar with, the foreign man uh, is created during this time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so and uh, after graduating college, he went to New York City and he would walk around New York City as the foreign man. Mm-hmm. Um, people did not know that he was putting on an act he was so good at this that people were completely unaware that um this was a a kid who grew up in long island they Mm -hmm. thought that he was this uh uh uh, this strange man from a made-up island in the caspian sea (laughs) um and with this completely made-up language that he could uh uh have entire conversations with himself in this made up Mm -hmm. language. And so he went to the improv in New York city and uh, he talked to Bud uh, about uh, getting on, but he talked to him as the foreign man Um, (laughs) and, and, and Bud decided, well, whatever happens, it's going to be hilarious. This man has to, he's going to bomb so bad that it's going to be hilarious. And so he put him on there and he went on at the improv and uh, he gets onto the stage and he gets, uh, thank you very much. And uh, he he does, and he uh, tells these jokes, but he forgets what the punchline is. Uh, the, uh, and, and he does this whole act and they just, everyone in the crowd hates him. They're (laughs) booing him. They're throwing things at him. Um, And then he says, uh, to conclude it, uh, I I would like to do some impressions. And uh, so he does the impressions, and they're not good. I would like to be the president, uh, Mr. Carter. (laughs) Hello, I am Mr. Carter. Thank you very much. <laughs> and then at the when the whole crowd is completely expecting him to do another bad impression, he says, and now at this time I'd like to be Mr. Elvis Presley. Yes. And then he turns around and they play yes. uh, also Sprocka Zathura, the Elvis uh, song, and, and he puts his collar up and he take he had tape on his pants and he'd rip that off to reveal he had rhinestones on his pants and Mm -hmm. then he would do one of the best elvises you've ever ever seen and uh he he would uh throw his uh coat out into the audience and then at the end of the performance uh, he would say uh thank you very much uh (laughs) and then he would ask for someone to give him his coat back (laughs) and that it was just, no one knew what they were seeing. No one understood. It it, it was completely, uh, unexpected, unusual. It was weird. um, and that that was one of the characters that he created. Uh, other times he would go touring through colleges uh, and they would say, oh, we need to book a comedian. And so he would say, I'm a comedian. They'd go and then he'd uh, fill up these halls and he would show up as this British man and uh, he would start to read to them uh, the Great Gatsby uh, from from cover to cover uh he would he would be there for for hours reading <laughs> the great gatsby and there was no comedy that was it that was it you just came and saw this man read the great gatsby and people would be upset and they would throw things at him and they would yell at him and it did not matter he 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 nope. was getting what he wanted Yes. What he wanted was for them to have a reaction, and that's yes. exactly, th- th- no one was sitting there quietly.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: so if it was laughter, that was great. If it was anger, that might have been even better for him.
2: Yes.
1: Uh, so he, starts going on all the television shows. He gets on to uh, the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. He Mm -hmm. gets on uh, and uh, eventually uh, he uh, is uh, put on to the season premiere, the series premiere of Saturday Night Live. Uh, Mm -hmm. Lauren Michaels uh, gets him on in uh, October of 1975 and he does uh, The Foreign Man uh, Mm -hmm. and the act that he does is the Mighty Mouse uh, routine where he stands up there and he has a record player uh, playing Mighty Mouse, um, mm-hmm. but there's no other... All he does is the Mighty Mouse part. Yes. So he just stands there while the other people are singing, and he's just standing there looking at the audience until, mm-hmm. here I come to save the yes. day. Yes. And and that was it. That was the act. And then, okay, yeah. he's... And, and uh, it, again, so unusual. No, mm-hmm. There's no... Pl- place, no category uh, that he could fit in. Yeah. And this foreign man uh, became so popular that uh, the producers and writers of a new uh, television uh, sitcom called Taxi uh, created a character just for him to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, they created a, a character named Lodka, um mm-hmm. who was working in the uh, taxi uh, office as a mechanic and uh, they would write out what all of uh, he was supposed to say was Uh, In the script, but say, like, but it was going to be him and his gibberish, but they would write it out in English uh, Mm -hmm. of of what he was supposed to say, and then he would make Mm -hmm. up the gibberish for it. Uh, uh, this is where, uh, Danny DeVito, uh, got his, uh, big break, uh, doing taxi. And he remembered mm-hmm. the first day that he met Andy, uh, he was wearing, you know, those huge seventies headphones, those big cans on his ears. And, uh, he goes up to Andy and he says hello. And he, uh, just to make conversation says, uh, what are you listening to? And he goes, Oh, oh, here, listen. And Danny DeVito puts the headphones on and he's listening to himself in gibberish. <laughs> and then DeVito takes the headphones off. Oh, okay. He had no idea what this guy was or where he was coming from or if this was real. And that's what nobody did. Nobody knew no. if he was real or doing an no, act ever, or who the ever. real person was. Nope. Um So... But another character that comes in here uh, into the story of Andy is a man named Tony Clifton um when <laughs> andy uh got the uh he didn't really want to be on a sitcom um, mm-hmm. but it was going to be steady money and that was better than nothing, but he really didn't want to be there. So he had a very detailed contract where he would not have to show up to rehearsals. He would be there, uh, uh, on, on Tuesdays, uh, for, for a walkthrough and then he'd show up on Friday to film it. And that was it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was going to be his schedule. And he only had to do 13 episodes, uh, a season. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so, uh, he had, and then another part of the contract was, um, Tony Clifton has to be a guest star on Taxi <laughs> for, uh, uh, for one episode. And the producers did not know that Tony Clifton uh, was not a made-up person. They thought Tony Clifton was a real human being.
2: Tony <laughs> Clifton
1: is not. Tony Clifton no. is another character that Andy Kaufman and sometimes his writer, um, uh, uh, Bob uh, Zamuda, uh, would also mm-hmm. play Tony Clifton. Mm-hmm. Um, so okay this next week uh, Andy's out uh, but we have uh, uh, Tony Clifton he's going to come in and Tony Clifton is the most abrasive and the mm-hmm. most politically incorrect and yes. just the worst person you could imagine this lounge Absolutely. singer gaudy yes. tuxedo uh, mustache uh, smoking all the time uh, it, it, just the worst saying the worst mm-hmm. things about women and minorities and mm-hmm. every he was just horrible but yes. Now he's going to play Danny DeVito's brother in an episode of Taxi. And uh, Tony Clifton uh, shows up on time uh, and Mm -hmm. he shows up to every rehearsal. Um, Andy Kaufman showed up late and did not Mm -hmm. show up to every rehearsal. But Tony was there on time and he showed up with two um, uh, prostitutes. uh Mm -hmm. uh, on on each arm he would walk in every day with these two prostitutes on each arm Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and uh just the most abrasive person and yelling at everyone um just barking all the time (laughs) and eventually uh it got to the point where the other actors in taxi they didn't care if this was andy or if it wasn't andy they were fed up and they're there was uh, this huge uh, fight between Judd Hirsch and Tony <laughs> Clifton on, uh, on the set of Taxi. And mm-hmm. uh, then the next day, the producers go, OK, well, we have to fire Tony. And
0: mm-hmm. they
1: call Andy Kaufman and he says, you can fire Tony, but you have to do it in person yeah. because Andy wanted one more show. With Tony, mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. t- they're doing this rehearsal, and this other guy is playing Danny DeVito's brother, and Tony Clifton comes in from the bank. Ah, hey, what's going on here? I'm ready to rehearse. Let's go rehearse. Let's go. And uh, and eventually, the the producer, um, Tony, I'm sorry, what are you talking about? I got a contract. I got a contract. <laughs> and then eventually, Paramount Security had to come through and drag Tony Clifton out. And um, Andy Kaufman's uh, manager, um, uh, George Shapiro, um, he actually just passed away recently. But George Mm -hmm. Shapiro comes up uh, uh, like, what was this all about? Why? And Mm -hmm. Andy Kaufman Mm -hmm. was smiling from ear to ear. It was the Mm -hmm. happiest day of his life. Yes. To have made a reaction of all of these people, to have Mm -hmm. hated him so much. He loved every single second of it. Yes. Yes. Um So that is one of the big stories of Andy Kaufman. This also gets into, he does not like being on taxi. He doesn't like that he's being known and being uh, found out uh, and being famous. So while mm-hmm. he's on taxi, he also uh, is a busboy at, at a restaurant in Los Angeles. <laughs> Uh, And so he's just a busboy there. And Mm -hmm. some people figure out who he is and some people don't. And he Mm -hmm. does not care. He's just there working a shift uh, every week at Mm -hmm. a restaurant in Los Angeles as a busboy. Another way that he starts to uh, 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 fight this... fame that he's getting, and, and and love from people, because of how funny he is, is that he starts uh, uh, his wrestling career. Um, mm. And this is uh, during the 1970s. Oh. This is uh, the second wave feminism, mm-hmm. and uh, Andy Kaufman says that uh, uh, women uh, c- cannot uh, fight men, that, um, mm. that he is the stronger and a better fighter than any woman, and he challenges women across the nation. Uh, that he will pay them a thousand dollars if they can beat him in wrestling, uh, and uh, he would do and just and is it him making fun of chauvinists? Is it him? just wanting to get a rise out of people no one knows No one knows. but he no. would go through and he would say you know well women um, uh, w- w- you know I'm not saying that women are dumb about all things they know a lot about cleaning and cooking uh, and, and how to make babies but uh, when it comes to wrestling I'm the guy and I and uh, he said that he challenged hundreds of women and he won every single fight against oh, women no. uh, he was uh, given a belt as the uh, intergender mm-hmm. wrestling champion uh, so it he he fought again on television and off television he was just having a ball doing this oh. and eventually Again, we don't know. Was this something no. that he concocted with uh, the the wrestlers or not? But uh, he eventually gets into this wrestling match with Jerry Lawler, mm-hmm. um, who was a wrestler, uh, a professional wrestler. And they have this big uh, the, a lead up to this big fight in Memphis, Tennessee. And Andy Kaufman is sending out these videos to be played on the local news stations talking about how all the Southerners are hicks. And oh. uh, he, he would go up and before the fight he he had a bar of soap. He said, i know you all don't know what this is down hey, here but yeah. this is soap
2: mm-hmm.
1: and and uh, i'm gonna you know beat you jerry lawler and then uh so they have their their match and jerry lawler um after the bell is rung jerry lawler does a pile drive on andy kaufman yeah. uh and this is in april of 1982 mm. again did he do it for real Was he actually injured? Andy Kaufman is whisked away in an ambulance, and he spends two nights in a hospital. uh, And he uh, is in a neck brace. And uh, eventually, five months later, uh, in August of 1982, Andy Kaufman shows up on a late night with David Letterman, and he's Mm -hmm. still wearing the neck brace. Um, And uh, Jerry Lawler is there, and uh, Andy Kaufman is asking for an apology uh, from Mm -hmm. Jerry Lawler for doing this illegal murder move and for, uh, uh, for all the, the, the rancor that happened, uh, that day. And, uh, they start egging each other on and then Jerry Lawler slaps, um, Andy Kaufman uh, across the face, knocks him out of a chair. And then Mm -hmm. Andy Kaufman goes on this profanity ridden tirade, which (laughs) for 1982 network television was completely bleeped. You can't uh, eventually David Letterman says, I I think one of those words we can get on the air. (laughs) Uh, And then at the end, Andy Kaufman says, I'm going to sue you for everything you're worth. And he throws coffee in Jerry Lawler's face. And again, was this real? Does anybody know know? that they concoct this? It does. Nobody knows. Uh, knows. So uh, these are all just uh, uh, some of the things that Andy Kaufman was doing in his uh, performing career. Uh, Another thing that I love is in 1980, they made up the story that Taxi was canceled. Uh, and, uh, then he shows up on the David Letterman show and he has, he's unshaven and he's, he's, he looks like he's been sleeping in the street and he goes out in the audience and he begs for money. (laughs) Spare change, anything you can spare. Uh, uh, eventually taxi was canceled 1983. And, uh, Andy Kaufman was actually pretty happy about it because now he could do what he really loved, which was all this weird stuff. Um, But then uh, that that, happened in 1983. In Thanksgiving of 1983, Andy Kaufman had a very persistent cough. And uh, he went into the doctor and uh, they told him that he had lung cancer. Yeah. Andy Kaufman did not smoke. Um, yeah. o- only Tony Clifton did um, yeah. but um, Andy Kaufman was one of the healthiest people everyone talks about Tony Danza used to make fun of him for eating seaweed all the time mm-hmm. um, he 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 was healthy he ate fruits and vegetables he did transcendental meditation was into all sorts of ways of being healthy that no one could make sense how could Andy Kaufman have lung cancer yeah. um, and that was uh, November of 1983 most uh, Most people did not find out about it until later on 1984. And by May of 1984, he had passed away of uh, lung cancer. It was very rapid. Mm
2: -hmm. And
1: when he died, about 80% of the people in the country did not believe that he died. Right. They thought that this was some other trick. This was some other gimmick that... That they went to the Danny DeVito talks about going to the funeral with uh, with his wife uh, Raya Perlman, and uh, that they Andy Kaufman recorded this video to be played at the funeral. And at any moment, at any moment, Andy was going to come right around that curtain, yeah. um, and, and say that he got us. And uh, one of the women who uh, played uh, Andy's wife in, on Taxi, um, they talked about her going to the funeral and she poked the body in the casket because mm-hmm. she did not believe that he was actually dead. This was just some sort. of gimmick um Mm. but it was not uh he he uh, he did uh, pass away at just 35 years old um andy kaufman is uh one of the most unique talents uh ever to have come across screens in america ever um I I often wonder today, like if Andy Kaufman was around today, I think he would just have a ball with uh, all of all of the things that are going on in our world, and and oh, what yeah. what sort of things would what, what sort of gimmicks would he be up to in uh, in tricking us and 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 cancel culture and all these things? He would want to be the first to be canceled, yes. um, and and enjoy every minute of making everyone furious at him, yeah, um. Uh, just a a fascinating figure, uh, a remarkable talent. And uh, I think that what we found here is that, yeah, I mean, I think one of the words you said more than any other was unique and unusual. Um, And that's definitely what this chart bears out.
2: Absolutely. And I think that clearly, you know, (laughs) I mean, he was aware of what he was doing he was completely aware of it but no one other than him knew what he was doing and he was relentless he did it like a warrior you know what i mean Mm -hmm. that north node in aries in the ninth house his philosophy was his own unique philosophy and i think that if people who are listening to this have never seen andy kaufman perform you should absolutely just binge everything you can see including uh what is it man in the moon yeah Chandel? yeah in, because that is really a very wonderful um example of you know like a documentary
1: well that that's yeah that, that it's a it's a fictional movie Mm-hmm. Um, but it was made by Danny DeVito uh, mm-hmm. because of the love that he had for for his friend.
2: Yeah. And
1: uh Jim Carrey does an absolutely wonderful performance as Andy Kaufman. Yes. Um that and they talk he got so method into it that Danny mm-hmm. DeVito said that Andy Kaufman uh was alive for four months in nineteen ninety-eight um the Andy Kaufman's daughter that he had uh, illegitimately came and spoke to Jim Carrey as Andy Kaufman um yeah. and they brought closure in her life it was um but it's a truly yeah. remarkable movie um and then they made a documentary on Netflix about the making of that movie which is takes on a whole nother level of all this but um andy kaufman's influence on comedy going forward um uh, a a lot of people jim carrey especially talk about um andy kaufman as being um a a primary influence on their careers
2: Mm -hmm. yeah he was he was brilliant and no one ever knew i mean i was there okay and i was a teenager and i was watching these things and i was completely aghast at, at at what was happening, like is this person completely insane, or is this person that brilliant you know mm-hmm. <laughs> and it vacillated back and forth his entire career, and uh you know i like i i I like to think that he was that brilliant, that he was just so far ahead of everyone that he had this just stroke of brilliance and, I mean. For everything he did, even the most obnoxious things he did, there's still something about him you really loved, you know. Mhm.
1: Yeah, the uh, during his uh his show at Carnegie Hall, he ended the show with Santa Claus coming. And, uh, and then fake snow raining down on the audience. Mm-hmm. And then he invited everyone to step outside the streets of New York and he had milk and cookies, uh, for <laughs> all of the people there. And then he told them, if you come to the Staten Island Ferry tomorrow, I'll be there. And we'll continue the show. And he did. Uh, so mm-hmm. the people who showed up at the Staten Island Ferry the next day got more of a show. Um, he, he, uh, was a, a consummate entertainer and, uh, a, a person, uh, with, with uh, a, a lot of creativity and a lot of love uh, in, in his heart. Um, j- yeah, just a, a, a really, a really remarkable person.
2: Absolutely. This is a really wonderful choice, Chandler. I'm glad you chose those.
1: Uh well, I think uh, on our scale of uh, right on the money to way out in outer space, uh, even though uh, Andy was way out in outer space, <laughs> I think that this uh, this chart is right on the money. This is uh, who Andy Kaufman was.
2: Mm-hmm. Very much.
1: Uh, well, uh, that concludes this episode of History and Retrograde. I'd like to thank you so much for listening. Um, if you'd like to support the show, uh, we have all the links to our social media um, posted uh, in the uh, description uh, uh, of the show. And then uh, if uh, you're feeling extra generous, we also have a link on there to our PayPal account. Um, every little bit helps us in uh, getting better equipment and uh, producing a better quality show for all of you. Um, Mom, do you have uh, anything you'd like to add?
2: I just want to thank everybody for coming back and being with us for Season 2. And we're really looking forward to bringing you some wonderful shows, and history, and astrological insights.
1: Absolutely. Uh, So, as always, in conclusion, as long as your houses are in order and the stars are aligned, everything will be just fine.
2: Everything is going to be just fine. Thank you all for being there. We love you. Bye-bye.
1: Thank you so much. Bye-bye.